genre. weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we'll be discussing Vengeance on Veros, the Sixth Doctor's third story, and what a story it is. Oh, boy, are we. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, uh, Philip Martin uh, wrote this story. And Philip Martin was a guy who wrote a bunch of things. He did he did episodes of um, a show called uh, Z Cars and a show called Shoestring, and he created a series called Gangsters, uh, BBC series, and uh, wrote a feature film. Um, or no, I'm sorry, he was an actor in a feature film called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. So. Hmm. The the guy was like an actor slash writer, and he had actually been invited by Christopher Bidmead, the previous script editor, to write for Doctor Who back in 1980. And he turned it down because he thought Doctor Who was stupid. Uh, this was during the um, – I think this was like the tail end of the fourth Doctor, this would have been, or mm-hmm. very beginning of uh, Fifth Doctor. And then after being invited, uh, he actually watched the show and started to be sort of intrigued by the idea that, um, one, his daughter watches it, which he liked because she doesn't normally watch the things that he does because she was, you know, young. And two, uh, he liked the idea that it allowed him to use science fiction as a as a as a way of metaphor like like he had thought of this himself um <laughs> as if that had never been the case before now but uh he was like oh this it's amazing you can use these science fiction elements as a metaphor for things that are going on in the real world just for <laughs> reference uh this came out in January of 1985 right uh the twilight zone was like the 60s so and it was happening before that even. But come on. The Twilight Zone. Um, so anyway. Mm, uh, yeah. He, yeah. So he called up the Doctor Who office and he was like, hey, so uh, that job's still open? And luckily the new the new script editor, uh, <laughs> Eric Sayward, uh, wa- was a big fan of, of uh, gangsters and of <laughs> – uh, Philip Martin. So uh, Philip Martin's cocky call to the BBC office actually worked out. Um, but uh, yeah, so he calls him up and he's like, "Hey, look, I want to do this story. I want to do a Doctor Who story about video nasties." So video <laughs> nasties. For those of you who don't know, this thing, this stupid thing, happened where there was a. Uh, there's an organization called the National Viewers and Listeners Association in England, and this woman, Mary Whitehouse, who ran it. And the creators of this movie called Cannibal Holocaust. Do you yes. guys know what Cannibal Holocaust is? I do. I am a fan. Do you? Do you, Cass? No? I don't. Okay. So Cannibal Holocaust was this movie that was made to be real? Like, they – they were trying to make it seem like it was real and like the gore was more realistic than it had ever been before. Now you look at it and it's laughable. But at the time, people – it was about like white people going to like a tribe and they're all cannibals and they eat all of these guys' penises and things. Like it's really – it's messed up. It's an Italian horror film. Okay. Um, 
And uh, it's really cheesy now when you watch it. It's like eating – he's eating a hot dog. Like it's not – it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's sort of like when you watch the, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you're like, wow, like country has outlawed this movie, you know? Yeah, right. So so the the filmmakers behind Cannibal Holocaust, they call up Mary Whitehouse or no, they they wrote to her anonymously complaining about their own film in an effort to boost like publicity and sales. Oh my god. Because they thought, "Oh, well we'll write to her, she'll throw a big stink about it and then everyone will want to see our movie." Well, that backfired because what she did was she actually Cannibal Holocaust freaked her out so much that she created this entire thing called the Video Recordings Act of 1984, which essentially banned any movie that was like over PG-13 in content uh, to be sold on video cassette in England. Huh. And so movies like The Exorcist and things like that that were already on sale, they were all of their – every copy was pulled. So like you couldn't buy a copy of The Exorcist in England for like uh, something like – I want to say like 10 or 15 years. Something yeah, like actually I, I've read a lot of filmmakers that I'm obsessed with that are from like you know England or New Zealand and you know had to like – deal with this during like one of the most formative years, some of the most formative years of their lives. Right. Right. So, um, uh, so yeah, so that, uh, that, that's how that backfired. And so this whole thing was a big deal in England around the time that, uh, that, uh, uh, Philip Martin was writing this story and he wanted to write a science fiction story about video nasties and his, he wanted to, he wanted to, discuss like violence and gore in popular entertainment and whatnot. Um, I guess it would have hurt. It would have helped him to have an angle uh, rather than just presenting it as a thing. I don't, I don't know what the purpose of the story is, but we'll get there. Um, so, so cough, we submitted cough, his idea. The moon. Cough, cough. Yeah. He, 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 he right. He also <laughs> submitted, uh, he submitted the story to Eric Sayward. Sayward loved the idea. Uh, because of course he did. <clears throat> the story was called Domain at first. John Nathan Turner said he didn't like the name Domain because it sounded too overtly political. I don't know why. Hmm. Uh, but for some reason, Domain was what uh, was uh, nixed by John Nathan Turner. And instead, it turned into a story called Planet of Fear, uh, which was then changed again because planet of fear was too close to planet of fire and so it turned into vengeance on virus if anyone can tell me what the vengeance is i would appreciate it because <laughs> i've seen this story probably three times now i still don't know where the vengeance is yeah i don't know either okay um maybe i guess alliteration what, the vengeance maybe, is in the alliteration maybe it's what we're about to do <clears throat> possibly <laughs> possibly <laughs> Um, so then, uh, Syl, uh, was a, uh, sort of like the big bad of the episode, um, the main antagonist of the episode and the they needed to cast, man. right. They needed to cast Syl, uh, the little, the little, the, the little, the little poop monster guy. And, uh, they cast, um, let me see, where did his name go? Uh, Nabil Shaban. Um, is his name. And what's interesting about Nabil Shaban, and this is, I mean, it's bless his heart, but he actually, the BBC office, the casting office was very familiar with Nabil Shaban because Nabil Shaban, it was a massive, massive Doctor Who fan and had every year both submitted a story idea entitled Invasion of the Viridians and uh, had had called up the casting office in hopes of playing the doctor and the master. <laughs> Wait, he submitted the same script for years? Yeah, the same story idea. Okay. I just want to make sure yep. I was here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, because he just thought, oh, well, they're just booked this year. So, But they obviously want this because it's great. Of course. So, so we'll ju I'll just I'll just submit it next year. It'll be fine. Um, 
They didn't want it, as it turns out. But uh, he, yeah, he also wanted to play the doctor at some point and the master uh, as well. Uh, he was like, I, I'm not picky. Either one. Um, <laughs> just the doctor or the master. Sure, either one. Uh, and then, and then when he, when, when they finally call him, they're like, look, you can't, we're not taking your story idea. You can't play the doctor or the master, but we do have this character named Syl. And he, he was quoted as saying that he was very intrigued by the prospect of portraying such a complex villain. Mm. Uh, okay. Yep. And, uh, and so he took the role. <laughs> And then uh, as production started, um, they had to stop uh, halfway through production because Nicola Bryant had a a terrible allergic reaction to feathers being glued to her skin. Uh, And and so after they shot that scene, they actually had to take looks like seven days off uh, before returning to film the rest of it. so that happened, and uh, uh, also uh, Sean Connery's son is in this and doesn't really talk. Oh, J- Jason, Con- Jason, yeah, Jason Connery is uh, the guy, um, the the blonde dude in part two who like doesn't really talk a lot. Oh, huh. yeah, the kind of like dumb hunky guy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's Sean Connery's son, Jason Connery. Nice. You know yep. what's crazy? He's probably like old now. Yeah, he's uh, he's his he has bald head and he's got a like a goatee now. Yeah, Sean Connery's still alive. Yeah, he is not doing much, but he's alive. Well, he's golfing. <laughs> yeah, he's probably golfing, probably gardening. I picture him gardening and just cursing constantly. Hello, Scott. In the garden. <laughs> so you finally found me. <laughs> um, I shan't read your uh, script. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's uh that's pretty much it. Um I I have watched the story 3 times and <laughs> I really am happy that this will be the last time I ever have to watch it. Uh <laughs> and I still I don't I don't understand what he's trying to say about the video nasties. Like I understand the history of the video nasties. I understand that it was like this crazy time in England for pop culture. Yeah, censorship and all that. Yeah, censorship, everything. I don't understand what this story has to do with that other than just like people enjoying violence. So was he like pro the ban? Because that's how this reads to me. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of like and I'm not I'm not referencing, I'm not talking about Black Mirror. Black Mirror is a example of this being done well, uh-huh. but it sounds a lot like when you watch like an episode of something like let's just say you're watching like an episode of Doctor Who today and the the the, the thesis statement of the episode was phones. Right. Like it ain't it just kids and their phones. Yeah. Well, no, even even that's an argument. Sure. But phones is correct. Yeah, phones. Phones. <laughs> phones. Apps. Yeah. Like this, imagine, the, the, yeah. The thesis statement of this episode is violence on television and the people who watch them. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Sure is a what, thing. What's the argument? Like, that's not a thesis statement. You can't write a paper about that. Yeah. What are you like doing? If yeah, be like if you're watching an episode of Doctor Who and, like, the villain had a laser called like the eye laser with a lowercase I. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, I mean, it's like all of those freshmen in college when yes. they write their first paper and they just write it about the subject. And then you get your paper back and you're like, why did I get a bad grade? And the professor was just like, you didn't write about anything. And you're, and they're like, no, I wrote about all these things. You're like, yeah, but you didn't have anything to say about it. You yeah, just stated it, a bunch of facts and then you walked away. That's not a paper. It's, it's very like guy in your MFA class <laughs> trying to like be, be deep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, this is just like, and it, what's sad is like, it wouldn't have taken much to make all of this, the violence in this story worth it. 
because all he had to have is an argument one way or the other. Like even if he was pro video nasty, whatever, at least it's an argument to be making, you know? Sure. Like, but he's neither for or against it. It just, it's just a presentation of elements of the video nasties as metaphor, but there's no argument behind any of it. It's just a presentation. Yeah, and like it's like me describing what video nasties are as a metaphor. Like like, (laughs) if I just if I did that, but instead of explaining what video nasties are, I I somehow used an ice cube tray to explain what video nasties are and then just stopped. Yeah. Like, you know, it is, I guess it's, I mean, yeah, but like I, when I think about science fiction with like a message, like, for example, The World's End has like mm-hmm. a very nuanced, layered, complicated position on like the topic of gentrification and like starbucking, you know, is a phrase mm-hmm. that, that's used. And the move and the move and Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg don't give any side of that argument like an easy pass. Like right. there, that movie is about like you know forces coming to like take over, but it's also not entirely pro people being you know because it's kind of like look free you know because that, that movie is like free will versus not free will, and that movie kind of has an argument against free will in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so there is a way to you don't have to like yeah like, like Scott says you don't even have to take a side just. Think about it. I don't know, or like make us think about it. Well, right. well, they even in the world's end, it's they 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 don't take a side, but they make the characters take a yes, side. Yes, like the characters definitely have opinions, right? And that's what you have to do as a writer. But this guy doesn't do that. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, Philip Martin, not good, not a yeah. good writer. <laughs> like, what does the doctor not a think good about about this? You know. I don't know. He's too busy shoving people into acid to to ha- to have an opinion. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear not this doctor, but I'd be interested to hear like a doctor comment on like censorship versus like violence in the media. You know, <laughs> sure. Especially because he's he's you know he, he's one of the more pacifistic characters in pop culture, certainly in science fiction. So it'd be interesting for him to be like, "Oh, you monkeys and your violence and your guns," you know. But yeah. no. Seems like a 12th Doctor thing to do. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird that, like, it was written so specifically about this thing that happened in England in the 80s, because I think it's, especially watching it now after the election, it's super, super relevant, and it made me really depressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this whole time (laughs) I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's like Doctor Who versus the alt-right. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, like, that's, that's more of an argument, and he didn't even, like, intend that to happen so mm-hmm. no yeah and then that's the thing is i just don't know what this story's about I just really don't it's about a slug know. monster it is about a slug monster and he laughs with his tongue Ugh. man i hope that guy had fun <laughs> being on the show <laughs> yeah that's true well he gets to be on it again yeah he comes uh, back yeah, good old oh. Philip Martin made sure he wrote a sequel to Vengeance on Varos. Wait, was, still comes back? Yep. It's a, there's a sequel to Vengeance on Varos in the next season. And uh, it is. Woof. It's better uh, than this. But <laughs> it is better than this. That's true. Well, it's less violent than this. Yeah. Um, and it does have that one goofy guy. Yeah, yeah Brian, Bl- Brian Blessed. Oh, right. That's Brian Blessed. I always forget that's who that is. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh yeah, so he does write a he does write a sequel to this with Sill again. And- oh, he's he's actually Sill in a few things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's done Sill in like Big Finish audio stuff. Yeah, like three. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing, Nick. If you can believe it, this is actually this is considered the Sixth Doctor's best story by most people. Are you by kidding most, me? No, by most Doctor Who fans, they're like, oh, the Sixth Doctor sucks. Well, except for Avengers and Varos, which is really good. It's not. So this is so this is it's, the most I have to look forward to. 
It's all no, no, downhill no, no. from no, there. No, 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 because he does have better stories than this. It's just that most people don't share my opinion of that. Okay. I don't know. And I'm sure Cassandra feels the same way. Yeah. Because like his missed. first story, his first story next season's really good. The Robert mm-hmm. Holmes one. Mm. Did you know yeah. Nabil Shaban was in Children of Men? The no, no. Wait, yeah. did I? Yes, I did know that. Yes, he's, uh, he's a he, as Bexhill Market Hustler. Yeah, I remember that. So that's he's, good. He has, a, be... he has a very memorable face. Yeah. I'm like, oh, to, it's Sill. Got to be <laughs> one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, and yeah. this. Look, there's a there's a there's a story that that Robert Holmes story features a a giant robot carrying a suitcase. So, I mean, that right away is just it's better than anything. But, yeah, you know, what can you do? Big robot carrying a suitcase. That's the yeah. best. Speaking of which, I just watched um, the episode of uh, Legends of Tomorrow that had a big robot in it. That was really fun. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Well, Nick. Give us uh give us a a brief recap of part one, if you will. You know, that's harder than it sounds. <laughs> um Okay. So we we want to avoid giving just summaries because it's it's the worst kind of bad because it's like also boring and complicated for no reason. Um it's kinda like I imagine being a teacher and reading like a really bad essay that's also like ten pages. Yeah, like really, you couldn't you <laughs> you couldn't make it short. You had to BS for like anyway. Um, well, so, just tell us, tell us, maybe tell us the two separate storylines that are going on, and then what happens when they converge. I mean, that's uh, that's really all you need to know. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. So okay, so on the planet of Varos, which I I pronounce it with the long A because that's how I that's how I am. So on on Varos. Um, so they're publicly torturing uh, this rebel uh, who I believe his name is John Dar. Um, John Dar. That's uh, that's that's Jason Connery. Oh, that's Jason Connery. Yeah, he's through the whole story. Oh, okay. Oh, um, I thought you meant like the the not like the buff Nazi in the second part. Yeah, that's who I was imagining. Isn't that the same guy? No, that's not John. Yeah, no. the guy that that escapes with the doctor and Arita? That's John. Yeah, Dar. that's that's John Dar. I thought you meant like the random guy that shows up in part two that helps the governor out. Oh no 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 no, John Dar. Oh. Okay. All right. Yes. That's cool. So yeah, so the first thing you see is Sean Connery's son being tortured, and <laughs> um, shirtless, shirtless, and uh, good job, boy. <laughs> you make the family <laughs> proud. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he uh, talked to his dad and he was like, hey, I'm going to get strapped to a table and shot with a laser. Can you tell me something about that? He's like, oh, boy. <laughs> Let me tell you. drink a stiff cold one before they strap me <laughs> I have a lot of experience. You can sleep with the crew, but don't sleep with agents. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you're the best. Now go do thunder. Wait, this is the '80s. He was already done. Um, no, he was the, about to do Highlander. The, right? No, never, never say never again. Right? Yeah, the one that he came back and it was really sad. Yeah. Um. So okay. So yeah. But meanwhile, two citizens, um, their names are Iraq and Etta. Are like watching it, and they're acts like, man, it's always the same. Someone's getting tortured. Someone's getting killed. Someone's going to county. Someone's going to jail. You know, it's boring. I want to point out that Philip Martin refers to these two characters as the Greek chorus. That makes sense. I just, I sure. know, but sure. Dude, yeah, I know the most, the most pretentious. Yeah, right. Oh. Um, like, yeah, I'm surprised their names aren't Adam and Eve. So <laughs> they basically are. It's Eric and Etta. Yeah, it's uh, a Rack and Eta. Yeah. Again, yeah. This is just yeah. Just this is. I'm just picturing Philip Martin being like a 20 year old reading this out loud to like his bored girlfriend. Like, I don't know. Like Someone's live tweeting their date. <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope he he tried to show this to his daughter Hillary and she got bored and left. 
Yeah, and went off and went to go to like a Smiths concert or something, and like. Well, I think she was a girl, like a little girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> not a not a teenager, like a little girl. Okay, so maybe she went to go shot that. I'm yeah, watching banana splits. He wrote this story for his little girl to I know, watch. What with the him. heck? Like no, no, like again, like really again, boring, not fun, violent, violent, not a lot of strong female characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, when Etta is your strongest female character yeah. in the story, probably tells you a lot about. You're writing a female character. I continue to mostly want to reach into my laptop and pull Perry out of the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So so the six doctors repairing the TARDIS. It's like there's been electrical fires and power failures and um, like they're just everything's everything's messed up in the TARDIS. And, and then the six doctors like my father will hear about this. He doesn't say that, but I just always picture him <laughs> saying that. <laughs> He has a real my father will hear about this voice, the sixth doctor. Yeah, he does. Because he's kind of prissy. Yeah, yeah, that that's the word. Yeah, he's he's very prissy. Yeah. Um he just because he, he looks like a fancy cat. Yes, yeah. Cause like, you know, McGann was very regal, but fancy Baker's very prissy. Cat? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, like a like a like a fancy cat. Like, like a just tabby like a, little orange cat. I've no, never Well I see like a fluffy white like cat. Like a Persian? We're just like a cat who's just like, who's just like really full of itself. And you know the just thing the like, cats do when they have to like dig their claws into a into a spot on the couch before they settle down into it. Yeah, like, oh, I have to do it. Just really smug. Yeah. I'm just, just never like, like. I'm dumber than dogs, but I don't act like it. So never, people assume that I'm smart. You've never <laughs> met like a really smug cat. No. Yes, I have many times, but. I've just never thought of the sixth doctor as a cat. I can I can see it. Which I guess he wears like a little cat pin on his lapel, so I yeah. guess. Yeah, he's a little kitty cat. And his hair yeah. is kind of puffy. Okay. Mm. I just like, imagine the sixth doctor like licking the back of his hand and like putting it through <laughs> his hair. Like you can totally picture him doing that. Like every time Perry like gives him a saucer of milk, he like flips it over. <laughs> Doesn't uh, even look at her when he does it. Yeah. Now I just want to dress my cat up as the sixth doctor. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, and the 12th I, doctor, I approve. I approve it. And the twelfth doctor is like an old, like twelve-year-old cat. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't like you. Love to hug it and pick it up, even though he doesn't like it, but he lets you do it because he's old. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's my cat. So, uh, so yeah, the TARDIS is messed up. Meanwhile. On a meteor, um, Sill, this weird giant poop jalapeno <laughs> slug poop thing. Poop jalapeno. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a little person or whatever. Um, but pretend I said the the right one. I don't know if that one is, but um, and he's like, I guess he's like sitting right. Because you can, it's his real face. But then they built the suit and put it on him. So and it, so it looks kind of like a, imagine like a little mini job of the hut. Uh huh. But with, then like with, with uh, gill, like gills and fins and stuff. Yeah. But then and the like actor a, is yeah. Yeah, he's like sitting on a fish tank. Yeah, yeah, and like the actor is clearly like behind a table. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's um, supposed to be inside the fish tank, but that's how it was written in the script, oh. and then they got it on. They got it on set, and they were just—they were just like, I mean, I—I I don't know how to do this. Yeah, we can drown like, him. Yeah, this isn't the Wizard just, of Oz. We can just, just drown build, him. Just build him a little platform, and he'll sit on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then why does he have a tank? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's so stupid. I—it's so—it's so dumb because it's like, okay, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You just—you just build a like a like a you you make like a tank. And you put him in the tank, and you build a wall around the walls, and you just fill the walls with water. So it looks like he's in the water, but he's not really in the water. Mm-hmm. Like, come yeah. on, yeah. I don't, I don't understand what the what what's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we would have we 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 would just have to look at Sill through like a water wall, and it would be so much better. 
because there would be another barrier between us and this thing. And potentially, like, creepier, you know? Yeah. Like, kind of a more animated, but, like, still, like, his head. That that would have been hella creepy. Yeah. So, yeah. Man. So, so Syl and the Galatron Mining Corporation are literally arguing over the price of ore um, with the governor. So, it's like, I want more money for ore. And it's like, ore should be cheaper. Blah, blah, blah. And um, and I guess this is when kind of like the Trump feelings kind of go in because you can clearly imagine like, oh, Trump is just going to be like this sh- weird little shit sausage like on a table. <laughs> just oh my God. Just like make or more expensive. Yeah. There's like eight chins. And so the governor is like, OK, we're going to conduct the nights the vote for tonight like the nightly vote so he like addresses the people watching and he's like or and the and he loses the vote whatever it was about and um and because he lost the vote um he gets disintegrated and uh apparently it's like the third time that his recommendations have failed to pass so like pretend it's about like climate change i don't know and um and like they're they're arguing or like the people that are watching are like, man, it's always the same. Like it's like our third governor to die like this week or whatever. Um, and then oh, and then um, a guard recommends that the governor execute John Dar, so that maybe he can get like the populace on his side in time for the next vote. So I guess this is kind of where I can see maybe the video nasty element playing into like, oh, if you give the people their their violence, their bloodlust, then you can be on their side. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we're we're trying. Uh, (laughs) So, meanwhile, poor Perry um, is like, hey, I found the manual. And the doctor's like, no, you didn't. I know how to fix everything. And um, so he repairs the TARDIS enough to get it to Varos. Can and I just it, say, can sure. I just say, okay, so, so Perry in this is going off and like, like he's pouting and yeah. she's like, well, did you do this, this to this? And like, name, like, just like spewing sure. off like gobbledygook, Tardis gobbledygook. And Ardlemar. I just like, you know, I know that this is, this, this is, this is like, she, she, okay. This is only her fourth trip in the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. Period. As a companion. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Because she got picked up and then is in the is got picked up in Plano Fire, goes to uh the to uh uh, uh what what is it? Caves of Androzani. Yeah. Peter Davison regenerates, turns into Colin Baker, twin dilemma, story we we watched last session. And now this one. That's all. That's all she's done in the TARDIS. How does she know all of these things? And how does she know more than the doctor does? I mean, she's got to do something when she's, like, alone in her room crying. I mean, maybe she's, like, maybe she's (laughs) trying to, like, maybe she's, like, trying to find, maybe if she's, like, maybe if I learn enough about the TARDIS, I'll find a way to escape. (laughs) That's messed up. She just wants to escape. Yeah, that's what I would do. You mean I get to hang out with Peter Davidson once and then I have to hang out with Colin Baker? Yeah. Oh, Colin Baker. So, yeah. So, so yeah, they arrive right before John Dar is going to be executed. And then they think that the TARDIS is like a hallucination caused by something called the Punishment Dome, which we'll find out more about in a bit. Um, they exit the TARDIS and like everyone just thinks that they're hallucinations. And, um... So yeah, so they help John Dar. I almost called him Jaundice. Um <laughs> and then uh they're rescued by someone named Rondell. Rondell. And uh he has uh things he's killed. And so <laughs> then they run in with more guards, and the doctor gets separated and arrested, and they make him walk through like a desert, and um it's like a form of execution. And then uh, while he's walking through the desert, he starts to have like a heat stroke and he collapses. And that's when the episode ends. Mm -hmm. 
Good times. Good times. Good times had by all. Good times. Indeed. Tune in next week. Uh, Part two. All right. So as the doctor is dying in this fake desert, Perry is just brought to the governor and the governor's like, hey, so level with me. What are you doing here? And she's like, well, I'm from the past and this is a time machine. And he's just like, "Okay, you're crazy. Um, So nobody believes her. Um, And she thinks the doctor is dead because they're like everyone's watching it on the TV. And he's the doctor is taken to this disposal room, which the way they dispose of corpses, I guess, in the punishment dome, is just a open pool of acid. So boiling acid. Yeah. And so the doctor is really dead. (laughs) Open pool of boiling acid. There's not even a grate over it. No. For safety. No. Uh, You know what I, I, oh oh God, neither of you have watched that. All right, never mind. Okay. (laughs) Well, there's a, there's a whole episode that deals with a vat of acid in uh, Luke Cage. Oh, okay. Continue. So there's an open bath, like open pool of acid. It looks like I'll be I'll be honest. It really looks like the production team just like broke into like a resort of some sort and and filled filled their pool with dry ice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's what it looks because it looks it looks very relaxing. To be honest, it's like. It looks like a very relaxing, like nice place to like be. Like a hot spring, like a hot spring, or like a I don't know, like like the like the like a jacuzzi and like a like a resort or something. Yeah, or, I don't know. Doesn't it doesn't look like a place you would dispose of bodies because it looks too nice. Like I feel like if you were if you were gonna just like dump bodies into a vat of acid, like you would have like an actual vat, not mm. just a. A pool with steps. Right. Because it really just looks like there's there's like an entrance to it that you just like step into. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's a little warm. Maybe I'll come back later. Kind of like, um, I mean, this isn't too spoilery cast, but it's kind of like that that uh, that Pensieve in Fantastic Beasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. Uh, so these these two guys that work for the whatever this is, um, are disposing of a body and the doctor wakes up on a stretcher because he's not actually dead. And he, like, gets up and what the first... There's two workers and the first worker gets so startled because a corpse just stood up off of his stretcher that he falls into the pool of acid and then... Um, Safety precautions, guys. And then, like, pulls his buddy in with him. Um, yeah. And the doctor's like, well... Gross. And then he leaves. And he says, well, no, no. The quote is, is you'll forgive me if I don't join you, which is terrible. Uh, it was like, I mean, it was like, uh, it was like old Philip Martin found out that uh, Connery was going to be in his episode. And so he wrote like a, like just like a cheesy James Bond line. For yeah. The like, a, like a Timothy Dalton James Bond line. Yeah. Ugh. God, terrible. It, <laughs> it's so blasé about two guys that just got murdered by acid. Anyway. Yeah, and it's um, like, it's the doctor. Like, yeah. Anyway. But, so the doctor leaves and then he wanders the, like, maze for a bit. Like, the, the punishment dome. I almost said Thunderdome. Um, I and <laughs> he he gets, like, cornered by this this guy this freaky guy in this like half mask, like Phantom of the Opera. And so Again, he's, I wish he's, he's taken to the governor and they're going to be like executed like by hanging. And then the women are going to be like, I don't know, just experimented on. They're going to get shoved into this weird radiation cell mutation chamber. And then, they're just going to see what happens, which is not science. But anyway, um, and the, 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 the phantom mask guy is like the chief scientist and he like 
came up with all of this crazy stuff. So they, the doctor and uh, Sean Connery's kid are like, they have like nooses wrapped around their neck and the governor is like, hey, so uh, what's going on with you? And the doctor's like, well, I don't know. And they, he, it's like this weird psychological game of chicken where they're both trying to get information out of the other one and it's really weird um yeah the way the way you described it i think is kind of giving that scene a bit too much credit yeah it's just like i don't I people think are the talking way that we're describing any of this, giving <laughs> this too much credit to be <laughs> um but basically like it's this setup and they're not actually going to die because the governor wants information but i don't know what he wants information of um and so they turn the cameras off and they talk more. And the the doctor's like, "All right, I'll I'll tell you what I know if you stop whatever's going on with the the ladies." Um, but they're just <laughs> like, "Nah." So Perry starts turning into this bird thing and um what's Arita? Aretta? I don't the other the other girl, like uh John Dar's girlfriend basically is mm-hmm. turning into this like, I don't know what it was, like a snake or something. Um, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say reptile was an option. He said birds or beast. Oh. So I assume he, she was turning into some sort of beast. I think that was supposed to be hair. I don't know. She's turning into like the wolf man. So yeah. Perry has feathers all over her face. And then the doctor's like, hey, I told you to turn this stuff off. And they're just like, oh, well, my bad. Because Syl is just like, well, murder is fun um (laughs) so (laughs) the doctor stops it and like he rescues them and they run off and sill is still trying to negotiate prices for his stupid company or whatever and the the doctor and John Dar and the two girls steal a golf cart for some guards and they go into like the punishment dome thing. Mm. And there's like another vote and one of the guards, I guess just shoots the, the thing that's killing the governor and, the governor runs away and Perry's there and they just like <laughs> go to find the doctor. Yeah. And the doctor is like chasing. We haven't even we haven't even gotten to the cannibals yet. No, that's, yeah, we're about to. The doctor in the maze, there's like these two old guys in diapers who eat people. Um so they get chased you know by what? those guys. Kind of a weird male version of um it wasn't it wasn't Paradise Heights. Well what was that episode called? What about the hotel? Oh, the, one, um, the one that Paradise was like Paradise Towers? Yeah, Paradise Towers. Remember those two old ladies? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's true. Also, I mean it's gotta be the the fact that there are cannibals in this has to be a reference to Cannibal Holocaust, right? Oh Yeah, it was so in the Zeitgeist back then. Yeah. That's yeah. Stupid. He was probably like, well, I have to put cannibals in this. Yeah. It'd be oh, like, no, they're eating people. It'd be like now, like, oh, vampires, right? Aren't those annoying? Because girls like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, they run into, they run away from these diaper men and then they brilliant social commentary they 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 come to this these hanging fake vines and as soon as you touch one you die so it's like this very very precarious deadly game of uh limbo and you just have to like not touch the the fake plants and the it's like you know when you were a kid and your parents took you to a boring place and you have to like make your own. It's like the the floor is lava. Yeah, yeah. We're like, ah, oh, crap. Oh, okay. We're at this we're at this Home Depot for two hours. 
I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say. You know, when you're a kid and your parents take you to a really boring place. That's this story. <laughs> yeah, that could work also. Like, oh man, dad has a doctor's appointment. We have to go home. Uh, there's no kid magazines here. <laughs> there's no toy section here. <laughs> Guess we'll pretend the tools are lasers or something. Oh God! Uh, you see so- the tendril, the the tendril vines represent the tendrils of the woman who runs the campaign for the video nasties, and how yeah. if a movie is touched by her tendrils, <laughs> it immediately death. dies. Yeah. <laughs> Metaphor. Had Margaret Thatcher already left office by the eighties? I. Think so? She was around in the seventies, right? We're exposing her. This is why no. This is why British listeners don't like us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Look, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. I know um, when she died. I don't. I can't. Oh wait, no. Actually, she was in office until nineteen ninety. Oh, actually, that makes sense because didn't she have a really good relationship with Ronald Reagan? Oh yeah. Oh, that um, explains a lot. Yeah, she, yeah, she was she in did. office from May 1979 to November uh, 1990. Okay. And then uh, she huh. died in 2013 at the age of 87. And yeah, then, so uh, she was still around. And then she inspired the character of Dolores Umbridge. Indeed. Well, it was probably a combination of her and that video nasties woman. Mm-hmm. I bet it was the True. both of them combined. Uh, so good times. I, 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 to- I totally threw you off your. Oh your no, it's okay. So there's dead plants, and then the doctor gets them through it, and then the bad <laughs> the guys chase them, and then the doctor like sets a trap, and he unleashes the death plants upon them, and they all die because death plants. And so, so what does that bring the doctor's body count to in the story? So many, at least at least eight. Yeah, <laughs> like I could probably count on one hand the number of lives the tenth Doctor took. Like I'm, I'm thinking Spider Lady, right? Um, yeah. Again, like I just, it's weird that the Doctor is like killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here's something fun uh, before we wrap it up. I because I just love this. Uh, so the Radio Times, being a uh, uh, prominent magazine uh, overseas, sure, there was a full length ad for this story, and it was just a full. It was just a huge picture of Sill. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you were going to say, and it said. And the caption said, Sill, period. Bad news for the doctor? Question mark. <laughs> BBC, 520 PM, Doctor Who. Friend That's or foe. Is, is this is, Sill? Guys, bad news for the doctor? <laughs> or the next companion? Find out this weekend. Uh, actually both. Yeah. Do you remember do you remember that ep- do you remember that famous anyway. uh, magazine? That famous magazine spread that Burt Reynolds did back in the seventies, where he was like uh, naked, but he was like covering his. Please his, don't. His, please don't tell me you're picturing Sill in that. Scene. <laughs> exactly what I was. I mean, he's on like a he's on like a shag rug. Oh There's like a fire, and he's like, "Hello." Oh, so the doctor and his they friends <laughs> make their way out of the death whatever and sure. they go to sill and the governor's like the jig is up and sills like i'm gonna i'm gonna take over the planet but his like company gets distracted by this other asteroid they find with more ore and then he's like foiled again and the governor is like so you gotta pay me whatever i want because your company said so and sills like blah 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 and then it ends and the governor's like, all right, no more television. And then the TV turns off and the doctor and Perry leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> leaving, leaving our great chorus to wonder what, what, what now? 
now that we don't have TV to watch, what do we do now? It's kind of like Cass. Have you seen Snowpiercer? I haven't yet. Okay, I was gonna make a Snowpiercer joke. But. Wait, so is his is his argument that none of this matters and just to turn off your your idiot box, you stupid idiots? Yeah, why don't you read a book or a? Is, is that his argument? Like, why the would... TV writer? Yeah, is why, the yeah, television writer's <laughs> argument to turn <laughs> off your TV. Well, you did say that he was initially very dismissive about about Doctor Who. But he's a TV writer. Yeah. Is he like like mainly he wasn't like a novelist that wrote for TV? No, 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 no. He was an actor. Oh, right. Who became yeah. a TV writer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate this story so much. Yeah. It's kind of like um, those episodes of children shows you would watch where like the message was like don't watch tv and you're like but <laughs> i'm watching tv Ugh. terrible terrible yeah not the best not great bob next time will be better yeah, yeah. all right bye guys <laughs> <laughs> next time next time is uh delta and the bannerman oh thank god i have i have i told you i have to have brought up how that needs to be a band name right yeah okay cool <laughs> every time we talk about it it just what bothers me is it's already sounds like a band name yeah uh, it right. really does yeah we'll put that in something we write Delta's yeah point. Delta the Bannerman. that's true so, we write a lot of bands <laughs> we are from we are from the website duelinggenre.com you can email us contact at the doctorscompanion.us uh, what is your favorite Sixth Doctor story? And if it's this one, explain. Why? Yeah, yeah. tell us why, please. I mean, like, if there's, like, some weird... If you have, like, a really cool al- alternate take on this episode, like, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, want to hate it. Yeah, no, I don't like hating Doctor Who, but... Ugh. And we will see you guys next week with the Seventh Doctor story, Delta and the Band. Thank you.